Hello, hello. Welcome back to Pot of the Valkyries. Um, I'm Amy Therese and I'm here with my fellow co-host, um, Peachy Keenan and Inez Stepman. Hello, ladies. How are you doing? I'm 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 doing great. Uh just got back from um a thoroughly pol- incorrect and uh regime unapproved trip to Poland to see family. So uh, I'm still riding high <laughs> on the feeling of not seeing any gay flags for 10 days. <laughs> like I feel rejuvenated <laughs> in my soul by the fact that I was not looking at the rainbow flag for 10 days. So I just it's feel much calmer now. Somehow. Spiritual cleansing of sorts. And Pretty Peachy, how are you doing? Uh, I am doing very well. We missed Inez while she was gone. We are we had we a little pause, a few week vacation for the podcast, which is fine. And I'm just coming off an exciting, um, you know, seven days of sick children. Um, <laughs> you know, up all night with high fevers, and you know, you know the the drill. Um, and today, I'm very happy to announce everyone is better. Everyone went swimming. I am amazing. You know, I'm back in business, so very happy. Happy days. And I'm just taking a bit of a vacation down at my dad's in the country. So we've just been like walking in the bush and doing very little. I'm at the point where like the novelty is starting to wear off and like I need the big city again. I need the smog and the pollution and the late night stuff. Well, <laughs> I don't think I was meant to Honestly, honestly this is a very up. aristocratic way to restart our podcast is like, describing to each other how we spent the summer months like <laughs> totally <laughs> <laughs> except for it's midwinter here because i'm on the upside down side of the world now amy when when an australian says the bush they just mean like the mm-hmm. countryside or is it a specific topography you're referring to oh right yeah no we do not mean the countryside what we mean is like a uh, forest like the, the bush yeah, like oh, the bush, like if someone's going for a bushwalk, it's equivalent to going like hiking in the forest. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I have another uh, Australia question. Hold on. Uh-huh. Are the trees <laughs> are the trees big or like uh, kind of wispy generally they, in the forest in Australia? I feel like there are two kinds of trees. There's sort of the an- anemic sort of trees. Um, and then there's like, you know, big there's trunk. Both. I know this sounds subliminal and, and no, no, it's a great question. It's a really great question. There's both. Um, I think part of it is that like we are prone to a lot of bushfires, like wildfires, I guess you guys call them, forest fires. And so there's a lot of sort of um like we don't have like so for instance in the cities and stuff we'll have like hundred year old like um you know thick trunked trees but often like the forest and the bush and stuff you won't have as many super old trees because of the fires so you'll have trees that sort of like um rejuvenate as a result of fire as opposed to ones that just stand there for like hundreds of years at a time like the there's not time, as much old growth, if that makes sense. <laughs> next time I go on a on a hike in LA, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm going on a bushwalk. Yeah, do it. I do it and see what people say. <laughs> 
it it has it has the the advantage of sounding vaguely racist while being not racist at all, right? <laughs> pretty much everything Australians say. Like, Going I'm, on a bushwalk. Sure, Peachy, I'm pretty sure if you say that in, in like a cafe in LA, people will cancel you. Even and that'll be really funny if the thing you get canceled for is nothing that you've actually said, but because people intimate racist overtones to the words bushwalking. <laughs> well, I feel like there's a lot of this like um kind of paranoid ideation in relation to like song lyrics with the with the gentleman who's done his like richmond whatever whatever uh, yes our own our own bush bushman from the the bushes of uh north carolina right in the hollers of north carolina he emerged is it north carolina or north virginia he no such thing as that I don't. Oh, think. Right. That's okay. like a, I'm showing. You know, I'm showing. I'm showing my foreignness. Well, there is a north of Virginia, but I think gotcha. it's North Carolina, I believe. Okay, like right. somewhere in the deep, the deep, the deep bush of North gotcha. Carolina. Amy, you're you're actually you're. I think you're thinking of he had that song of of the men north of Richmond who are oh, in right. North yes. Virginia, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, actually, I, I think it's just like the, it's yeah. like the associative thinking version of American gotcha. geography. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, what do we think of him? Kind of proud of that little guy. I think he's a nice psyop. Like, if he's a psyop, he's a nice one. It seems pleasant. (laughs) Like, people are enjoying it. I don't need to ruin it. (laughs) I don't. I think it's totally legit. Uh, I think he's. I think he's great. People love it. I mean, I'm not into that. Like bluegrass. Like that's just not my. You know, banjo picking is like not my thing. But I'm like excited (laughs) for the guy. I hope he doesn't yeah. end up, you know, moving to Beverly Hills and like snorting all his, you know, snorting all his uh, money, <laughs> blowing it all on hookers here in Hollywood. Let's pray totally. for him. Yeah. I, I mean, I, unlike previous right wing uh, attempts at trying to direct the culture, which will remain continually unnamed, I mean, that I've gotten in trouble or criticizing. with pound of pedum. <laughs> um, I actually like this. I think it's not my style of music, much like what PG said. Um, and I definitely think this guy actually does need a producer, uh, something or, or to refine a little bit um, the sound of what he's creating. But mm. I can see why people are drawn to it. It does have that like raw, um, like authentic power to it. And for that reason, I'm actually like, I actually do like it, even though it's not quote unquote my thing. Like um, it, I, I do think that there's quite a bit there and the fact that it's resonating. I think people are probably focusing slightly too much on the lyrics, like people dissecting the lyrics of this yes. format. Uh, yes, like they're, they're, they're reading being the like Talmud. scientists. Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like lyric scientists just inspecting every single word. I'm just like, just let people enjoy it. It seems nice. He was um at his gig over the weekend, he stood up and read a pretty powerful passage from the Bible, which our friend online, um, Bennett's phylactery mentioned that like if this is a kind of, you know, um top-down operation to make someone seem organic, like that's a pretty powerful signal against that that assumption um i think it's actually pretty hard to fake to fake authenticity i think so too yeah i think i mean not that it can't be done and obviously like really great actors that is literally what they do for a living yeah um but i don't know that i think about our sort of midwit 
regime apparatchiks as capable of faking that kind of authenticity. I think that's right. Yeah. I think there's something to that. Yeah. For me, it was actually refreshing to hear like a a popular song about lyrics that are like, you know, ripped from the pages of Twitter, you know, (laughs) like Epstein Island and all this stuff, because I've spent the last, um, well, I don't know, years, months, especially the last few weeks, listening to nothing but Taylor Swift at my house, Um, (laughs) courtesy of my daughter. And we went to the concert um, in L.A. last week. And that was a wow. There was no Bible verses (laughs) that one. But it was it was quite a quite a religious experience, I think, for everyone, everyone there. It's a funny contrast. Nice. That's cute. Endearing. I was reading that Taylor's concert's actually like pretty much like making the economy in a bunch of American cities. It's like the biggest it, deal economically. It's unbelievable. It's uh, yeah, it's like this giant, um, just a giant. I mean, I don't know. I it felt like Woodstock. I mean, it felt like a, an important gathering of women, young women with their moms, and she, my daughter was there with her mom, and it was like strangers coming up to her and exchanging friendship bracelets and. Oh my god, that's so um, cute! It was like a, yeah, they were like bringing back bartering, you know, for like that's uh, so cute pelts, oh my god. <laughs> like all the yeah. and they're all everyone there is in a fully themed outfit, like homemade or tied oh, to some so Swiftian religious uh, symbolism. It's like I mean, it's like a the world building is so intense. And then when that's she so came cool. out, seventy thousand people just spontaneously burst into hysterical crying around me um, <laughs> you know it's like it, it is it, it's it's religious I mean I don't know how, how else to describe it you know um and and fairly benign but it was yeah it was fun I'm still recovering I'm writing a review but anyway no, get to that later it's interesting how like the most basic and benign of kind of I don't know of human relations um can be so directed now like as in you would think that that would be the most small c conservative part of a society um but in fact it's just conservative of whatever the ultimately like it's conservative of social mores right like it's it's in that sense it's quote-unquote traditionalist so i guess it makes sense but um i don't know it's it's funny to see something so uh again, I mean, small C conservative in like not the political sense, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Uh, That is co-opted in favor of such a revolutionary agenda, like girls and their moms making friendship bracelets and and being basic bitches. Like this is like a a strange vehicle for the kind of ideas that are now uh, very much institutionalized. I don't know. Maybe I'm like overthinking all of this, but it, it does strike me as like a weird contrast. PG, you probably have a more uh, pithy and artistic way of describing it. Well, yeah, that's so interesting. It 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 did feel like it is it it because it was sort of apolitical. Her concert. I mean, it's sort of like it's sort of like liberal, but like five years ago, liberal. You know, so gotcha. that makes it feel very conservative. And I was like actually thinking, my gosh, this is the most like heteronormative experience I've had in, in like a large LA group in years. And because I mean, Inez, you were she's saying, like a girl who sings about like traditional yeah, things. She's, like singing about, she's singing Whereas about boys. Now, 
Whereas now girlhood is like Dylan Mulvaney doing thousand right. years ago. Exactly. <laughs> and here's the other thing. Girls. Like she, it, it was very heteronormative and like Poland where Inez didn't see a single rainbow <laughs> or trans flag. I didn't see a single rainbow or trans flag, anything at this concert, at this giant stadium. None. Nice. I saw, it was like gay guys there, you know, obviously gay guys. I saw one uh, transgender dude dressed like a woman, like a middle-aged man. One. Just one, though. Everybody else was, like, fairly normal. And I was like, oh, my gosh. This is, like, <laughs> it's like where did all these, like, normal, you know, kind of cute girls come from? I, I couldn't believe my what I was seeing because I don't see them in my day-to-day life. They just kind of got the bad signal and they were all there. And I think that, um, yeah, it felt very, it felt very trad in that way. You know, mom's have daughter singing Have you guys seen the like uh, self-flagellation from the leftist girls online who have to justify the fact that they're going to go see Taylor Swift? It's like no. one of the the funniest genres of of tweeting has been during I, the tour. Like yeah, yeah. It's like, please let me apologize, but please let me enjoy my Taylor Swift. Right, I, oh, I know wow. it's it's heteronormative and white girl feminism and oh, like a thousand wow, bad so things, but please, please, just let me enjoy it. Just <laughs> let me have a, a decent time at a concert for two hours of my life, please. It's like, oh, and, and, that's and, really and sad. That it and, it's, and their their tweets are not like us in the sort of um, rebellious mode towards yeah, it, yeah. like an apologetic on my knees, like. Please let me still have Taylor Swift. Yeah, like public confessional type writing. Yeah, that's oh, that's really interesting. I think that um, you know, just speaking of music, I've often thought that like the lack of kind of cute boy bands, like that we don't have those anymore. We have guys like Harry Styles who are like these pretend to be, you know, non-binary and wear dresses and lipstick. Yeah, and those stuff. babies. Yeah, yeah. we don't have these, like, cute boy bands where girls oh, scream. We don't have, like, guys like Elvis. You know, there's no kind of, like, pop idols like there were, I don't know, when I was That's growing so up. That's so true. And that would, I feel like that, that kind of keeps young women straight. It, like, you know, they have a crush on some rock star, and that later translates to, you know, the boy next door or whatever. And so I'm, like, it's interesting that Inez says that because, like, they... Like, it's sort of like she's touching something that they buried in them. Like, this desire to, like, right. have a crush right. on a cute boy, you know? So maybe Sublimated teeny bopper. That's right. Yeah. We need that. Okay, so maybe we should um, go out and find some boy bands. Fund Let's some become, boy bands. Yeah. Found, we'll found some boy bands. We'll move to Orlando and we'll recruit cute boys. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, in our group. I love it. Yeah, exactly. Um, But there's, I mean, there's another element of those boy bands is that they're like strangely asexual, which I think is actually the the point for, because these are, you know, tween girls. Um, Non-threatening. Yeah, it's it's like every generation has one. I mean, like uh, PG, I'm sure you'll remember some of this, but like JTT or Justin Bieber in the like later part of millennial cycle. I don't know who it I is now. Somebody... I love Tanson so much. I was so obsessed with him. <laughs> <Tanson. laughs> yeah, these are like, you know, um, they're they're guys and they're straight, but they're kind of gay. And I think it's yeah, it's they like have long hair and shape. of female sexual 
evolution of like tween girl to experience that kind of crush mentality on somebody who's not scary effectively a twink you know yeah, yeah effectively a twink right yeah <laughs> and also actually twinks like Harry Styles is actually right <laughs> or who's that yeah. other guy who I was jokingly called Timothy Shamala la 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 oh, oh sh- um, yeah. Chalamet yeah Chalamet's a twink right there's there you know mm-hmm. what makes I think the boy band thing work is that combination of innocence and and kind of asexuality still with masculinity like there's enough of it there and i'm wondering if we've just the reason we have no boy bands is because we've crossed over and all those guys are just girls now yeah and i think what music is, has gotten just so so sexualized um that you know young women have to like they're listening to I mean, my daughter, I don't think is, um, you know, WAP and stuff. And so like they want to, you know, Lizzo or whatever. And so the lyrics are, you know, I mean, Ice Spice and 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 Nikki. I mean, those lyrics are pretty overtly sexual. And so um, and they're like women telling young women, you know, how to be. And like, that's who you're supposed to be like, what you're supposed to be like. So, yeah, we've gone to a little bit darker area in, in music, which is why, yeah, Taylor you know, some of my friends think I'm crazy to take her. How did, you know, how could the trads are like, well, I don't really approve, but it's like relatively fine. You know, there's no nudity. I mean, it's in the nicest possible way to my like more trad friends or whatever. And I wrote a bit of a thread ranting about this the other day, but I also kind of think that like, if you attempt to protect your world, your child rather completely and utterly from the world, um, I think you sort of make them a little bit dysfunctional. Like it's actually okay to like, certain like simple things and have like you know just enjoyment like you can't protect your kids from everything like taylor swift is pretty harmless as far as i can tell she seems like a nice girl and like i I don't know i've never looked into lyrics that much but it just seems fairly harmless like if you are going to be sort of super restrictive about something like that i think that you'll just create rebellion in your kids and you end up with psychotic libtards the second they go to college yeah i sort of agree I mean, I mean, you draw the line, you try to draw the line where you can, but in this case, yeah, it's fine. exactly. Exactly. I, I feel like the way to reconcile this is just, you know, there are lines and there are lines, right? Um, but I don't know that I agree that Taylor Swift is sort of harmless in this sense, not in the overly sexualized sense, but that's kind of the mm-hmm. choice that we're given, right? It's Taylor Swift, sort of girl bossy, whatever, feminism, I'm enough, I don't need. And then versus WAP, WAP, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and, and even that is weirdly asexual in its own way. Like, I, I really wish that Polya would write a column on, on WAP because um, I feel like there's an endless, endless fodder for sort of Polly and distinctions there. But um, there, there really isn't. There isn't anything in between, but I think the the way to to draw the line is probably it's fine to have mainstream like boundaries on the mainstream, right? Mm. Um, and that doesn't mean that edgy or countercultural or sexual things, or erotic things, don't exist. It just means you know you have to seek them out yourself as a young person, and that's fine. Like that is by the time you get to an age where you're ready to do that and you have the like thrill of essentially sneaking around. Um, 
yeah the, that's the, true drive to like put everything in the mainstream i feel like one sexualizes children way way too early like you know walking down the street you practically i'm sure uh he too you have this feeling often in la but like you practically have to put a um you know how horses have the blinkers to keep them from getting just, afraid. You know? I was just yeah. imagining that as you're talking. Yeah. <laughs> like you practically have to, you know, bind their eyes to, to keep very <laughs> explicit and the most like depraved expressions of human sexuality off their radar. Right. Um, but then at the same time, because everything is in the mainstream, it has no, I'm going to totally butcher this word, but frisson right like it has yeah, yeah. actual erotic content that's how i feel about WAP. by the way it's like yeah is there, it's anything is there anything that's genuinely erotic about that song or am i just right. like a a conservative Zero. boomer or whatever but i just don't i don't find that song sexy it's not like i'm scandalized by it i'm just disgusted by it yeah it's just gross and overt i'm exactly the same way in terms of like sexuality writ large like i think it's much more sexual for a woman to be wearing like like to be scantily clad as opposed to like stark naked if that makes sense like I think the whole tension is how you get like I think erotic tension is what makes things hot whereas just like butt naked full frontal which seems to be the way that everything is going these days is just like to me a total like turn off and it suddenly becomes like not sexual at all despite ostensibly being so there's no Which strip what, in the tease. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, Maybe. that's right. Exactly. There's no tease in the strip. Absolutely. It's just all like right there, like wet ass pussy. Like who speaks like that? Like as a woman, I would never like even use that word, let alone like, I don't know. Maybe I'm, I, I don't know. I just have uh, always had intuitions about these things. Like you never talk about like bodily functions around men. Like there are certain things that you just don't do, not because anyone's ever even needed to teach me this, just because it's like gross and classless and tacky and I'd feel like nasty doing it, not because any like social norms have dictated that. Just It's just my intuition. Like just have a little bit of class. Like I don't know <laughs> whether – you know whether the culture can even enforce that on everybody do you know what I mean like for instance even just like a lot of the stuff that was you know 20 years ago in sex in the city I was still disgusted by it like I would never talk about masturbation in front of men or like all these other things that women just do automatically now I just feel such a like instinctive aversion to it like just keep some things to yourself it's not you don't need to talk about these things just stop <laughs> Well, and and the over discussion is killing it, which I realize we're contributing to it right now. Absolutely. Some of these things must run on instinct. <laughs> like something must be. Left I do think. It. I do think that a lot of a lot of this stuff, at least for me anyway, runs on instinct. Because, like, you know, I it's easy to sort of stress about some of the cultural influences today, but then I think, you know, again, kind of like. I don't think Barbie is that different to something like Legally Blonde. And I don't think Taylor Swift is probably that different to something like Destiny's Child that I was obsessed with as a kid. But, like, I didn't grow up to be this, like, girl boss, don't need no man, independent woman, despite listening to all that garbage as a kid. Like, I think there probably is something sort of temperamental and instinctive about um, both, like, well, both about social roles, but also just about like the way people approach life. I think there is something kind of, there is some nature, not just nurture to it, which is, I guess, good for us at least. 
we all decided to be silent on uh, <laughs> out of solidarity with returning something to the imagination. <laughs> <laughs> Moment of silence. Um, yeah. You know, it's 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 like the pornification of everything. Like everything yeah. is pornification. So, like you know, you can see. You know, Beyonce is on tour and Cardi B is on tour and she's throwing microphones at people's faces and Beyonce is in her, the usual G-string, you know, the G-string leotard, which is what they all have to wear, the G-string leotard, Megan the Stallion, like the G-string, there it is. And Taylor Swift, very demure, her little cute butt cheeks are like completely covered by her leotards, you know, like she's by contrast, like just, just absolutely just standard for cultural decline is how much <laughs> butt cheek is showing <laughs> Like I say, I to to paraphrase Tony Soprano, I like some butt cheeks showing in the bathing suits, not lots of butt cheeks showing. Okay, like a, little, <laughs> a little bit, a pinch is fine. And this brings us, this brings us back to uh, what's his name, Oliver Oliver Anthony, the like uh, yeah. red, the ginger guy from the bush, the bushes. Yeah, the bush guy. <laughs> he. He has, it's like, I think that's why people are so excited about that. And like, also so excited about like, you know, um, what it is called the the worst film of the year. Sound of Freedom. I'm just kidding. Inez. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. It is loved it. These movies are not overtly political, but they're like, they're, they're speaking to something, uh, what people like, uh, it's like, they're like refuges from all the other kind of filth and trash. Now he does use bad words in the, in, in that, in that little song. He uses some, he drops some F, you know, S bombs or whatever, but it's like a refuge. Like, oh, here's a movie where they're, okay, yes, it's about child rape. Okay, never mind. Take that back. <laughs> Maybe it's not a refuge, but these are kind of just trying to do something different than going all the way into like full frontal, in your face, you know, graphic, whatever. Um, it does feel like a little more innocent. Like here's people trying to maintain yeah. children's innocence. Here's this guy singing about the people of North Carolina who have been like completely hosed by hosed by DC for decades by globalization and their suffering, you know? So, I mean, and like the thing is that these things, we see how low the, lo the bar is for like, quote, you know, right wing or whatever conservative media or content, the bar is so low. These things don't even have to be like good. They can be okay. They can be mid, but people are like, finally, finally a song that is not, you know, going to make me want to vomit or whatever. So uh, the bar is I think low. It's also the aspect of something real is key to it. Like, I think that's also Donald Trump's appeal. Like, I don't think anybody on the right is under any illusions that Trump is a, you know, a specifically particularly conservative person even. He's, he's exactly. in many ways very much not, um, certainly not culturally or in his own like overall life. But at the same time, he manages to sort of represent an authenticity that is so missing and was specifically like absent from especially the 90s and early 2000s where it's just all this fake and manufactured and um, completely inorganic garbage um, and it seems to me that that's also what sort of it seems that some aspect of that is also like a willingness to take risks rather than just be this like curated approved regime box ticking enterprise which I guess well, so yeah uh I think there's some tension between PG what you said and and Amy what you said. Um, gotcha. And I guess I fall in the Amy camp on this, but maybe they can be reconciled, and you'll tell me how. Um, but like PG, you said refuge. 
And I think that's like the complete wrong mentality for, I think you're right that people are desperate for a refuge and that's why they go to a lot of this, like frankly, like dreck stuff that gets pumped <laughs> out. Um, and it it's a ghettoized mentality, right? It's like, just give me something, anything that won't be aggressively assaulting everything that I love and believe. Uh, yeah, I think there is something to that. There is like a, a crudification of um, like an out. My friend uh, Scott Greer has talked about this a fair bit too, the idea of this sort of like crudification of what were once like middle-class white bourgeois norms that are now sort of becoming a lot more crudified on the right with like, you know, you get like, for instance, a, a lot of the fact that like now rap is something that's like totally normalized and you get these like ridiculous rap songs about like Target and that sort of thing. And this is supposed <laughs> to be like culture now. It's like rapping about like anti-Bud Light and about culture. And like, you know, you even have things like, like um, you know, the Tates and like Ice Cube being who like the who, who Tucker Carlson's interviewing. You know what I mean? Like there is definitely like a, a marked shift in terms of what were once like, you know, the right was definitely a lot more sort of middle class white conservative and stayed in its in its sort of norms, whereas it's coming I, definitely I'm more against, liberal. I'm against both halves of this. I don't know. Maybe I'm right. just not. Yeah, no, I'm that's not okay. In my soul, because I I don't like either half of that. I think like I prefer what I I hate this word even with regard to art, but like consume, which is a, a the right verb with regard to like Netflix shows or whatever, right? Um, yeah would be would reflect something that's true and the right. truth is not sanitized right like as in what would make it good and actually like I, the 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 kernel of goodness that i actually see in what's his name anthony oliver oliver anthony yeah yes. this song um isn't <laughs> yeah, so much the lyric but like that there is uh there is some kernel of like a real acknowledgement of some kind of like reality that people are facing. Um, right. And that isn't sanitized and isn't. Sort yeah. That raw uh, emotional is, truth. Like, nothing is more ridiculous to me, by the way, that, that you, you talk, we're talking about profanity, right? Um, mm. You know, books aimed at middle-aged, you know, white ladies in the suburbs with families now use the F word. All, in like all of their titles have you noticed that so i mean there, there's sort of this 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 uh faux aggressive sort of um trans is like a fake transgressiveness to it um but it doesn't actually i mean imagine for example any of those same books marketed to middle-aged white ladies using the n-word in the title right like there's there's that's real transgressivism that doesn't mean it's good I'm not yeah, saying yeah, yeah, that transgressive yeah. is good, but I'm 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 saying like there's this faux like transgressivism, and then on the flip side, on the right, I I feel like um, there's there's a faux uh, innocence or staidness that if you reflect the reality of the world, you're going to corrupt people, um, and the reality is people are already corrupted, so like it's better to reflect, in my view, what I look for, and not because of some top down criticism theory or something like that but just in terms of what i actually resonate with when i 
watch movies or watch or listen to music or whatever is is some reflection of the debased world that we actually live in um done in a way that isn't praising it or papering it over with corporate bullshit you know what i mean right and that's that's what i do see a little kernel of in this and that's why i think like i haven't had the same reaction to this song as i had to sound of freedom um and i i had a little bit to that other song that went big the um what is it like try that in a small town Try that in a small town that's yeah. more in the sound of freedom camp than this one although there's a very different experience of like downloading and listening to a song that's two and a half minutes long versus sitting in a theater for two hours <laughs> yeah um, and i'm like willing to donate two and a half minutes of my time to this to, to the cause right. or whatever <laughs> and in a way that i'm not willing to sit there for two and a half hours and watch maybe that's so it's a lot like of you're a bit allergic to both like the valorization of it but also the sanitization you're up to yeah, that's, that's, that's a good little, way to yeah. put it, Amy. That's that's a really good okay. way to put it. That you just so said enough one sentence. What I was trying to talk, what I was trying to hit on for like five minutes. So, but that's, that's okay. Awesome. That that people do that with me all the time. I'll babble about something for ages, and then especially my guy friends in particular will be like, "So boom, boom," and I'm like, "Yes, how did you do that?" <laughs> so sorry, just to back up for a second. So i you know, Inez, are you saying I should not use the N word in the title of my next book? <laughs> Just to be, just to be clear, <laughs> I've been trying to figure out what to call it. Okay, so got it. Make, I'm making notes. No n word. I must say, like, I really, I'm going to bring up and lean on my Australian credentials here. Not that they're credentials, but I do find it particularly weird. The bizarre, like fetishism that americans have for the idea that using this one word is like completely like just it'll destroy your career like it doesn't matter what you've done before that it's just like oh you used a word like there was a guy who got kicked off big brother last week i believe Mm -hmm. this type of thing it just it just seems like bizarre and obsessive and hysterical to me i don't understand why anyone gives a shit like why does anyone (laughs) care I don't. I don't understand it. It's bizarre to me. Like, well, in- sure, you sure. I bet, but this is just a language thing in general. I just think you can be incredibly nasty without using any taboo words, and you can be like a good person who's never done anything wrong, who uses "quote unquote" bad words. I maybe I'm weird, uh, an outlier, whatever, whatever. But to me, I just have never cared about about words in this sort of magical fetishism type way that seems to be the absolute norm in America. Okay, Amy, stop fed posting, please. Just okay. um, <laughs> You're trying to get us to say it. She's trying to get this us to say it. This is why I don't have a Twitter account, I suppose, because I'm not, I just don't listen. have that instinct of okay, cautiousness listen. in me. It's you know how, just, you know how, it, does, you know, you know how in America, you know, black parents have like the quote talk with their kids, like, so, you know, to not get shot by a cop. So you, if you get pulled over what to do, so you don't, you know, get killed by accident. So white parents have the talk also. And the talk to their kids is the, the talk is never, ever, ever, ever say the N word. Look at the N word. Do not even think about that word. Don't think about it. If you hear it, run away. Never let yourself be tape recorded. Sing it. Not even a rap song. Not even a rap song. Give you a pass. Never, ever. 
Like, if you see news about the country in Niger, don't read the story. <laughs> Go away from that. Rip out the whole end <laughs> section of the dictionary just to be safe, you know? Because, yeah. For real. You, you will be, you know, if you like, you know, I don't know, you're on some, you know, video, Instagram video singing a song or whatever, rapping lyrics, whatever, you know, <laughs> you know, not the hard R, the, the A. You will then not get into college or something. You know, who knows? That's happened many times. So for yeah, real? people are terrified, yeah. you know, for Can I, I used the word I used the word niggardly in a tweet a little while back, like well, a few months there ago. There was a there was a huge scandal about that, I think in the nineties. Like someone right. some in California, some professor or something used that word and got fired by someone niggardly. who didn't know right. I'm not even gonna say it. I'm <laughs> <No>. not <laughs> There, 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 was modern, there was a, a modern analog to this because there was a professor who recently got in trouble because uh, he was teaching Mandarin. Apparently, there's a word N G N E G A nega like that would be the the English <laughs> yeah, translation of it. Do not he was saying it over and over again. Nega nega, and he got <laughs> he got basically like uh, there goes there goes the our monetization. Put, like it, it just has to sound like the word, which really makes it. Right. It does really make it like, uh, I mean, Abby, you said, I don't believe in these taboos. I feel like these taboos are very human. The question is, what what do we worship and what do we taboo, right? Right. I mean, right. And Absolutely. So, actually, uh, John McWhorter, who's like a very centrist sort of guy, <laughs> um, mm. but but a great linguist. And mm. it's a great book about um, called Nine Nasty Words about profanity, where right. he, he goes through how like initially the worst words you could say the, the taboo words were all related to religion so like hell and damn and those right. over time became as our society changed became kind of like forgivable ones right i had no problem saying them you know i, I like right. as a respectable member of society like you saw them come into to normal use as people really became less afraid of being damned, right? Um, uh, and, uh -huh. uh, and then in the Victorian era, all of the words that were considered profane and truly taboo were things that had to do with the body. Um, and he traces that to the fact that people had space and privacy for the first time, right? So like in That's Victorian right. era, you actually get to like close a door, especially if you're on the wealthier side before people had lived mostly in one room. Um where like the average person actually got some space and could have sex and do bodily functions away from other people. Um, and so that, that then all these functions around the body, right. The F word, the, um, you know, that like, and it's funny because some of these words I feel comfortable saying, and some of them I don't like the F word I said, but also like ass and, and, <laughs> uh, you know, everything that I do feel comfortable saying shit. Right. Um, those, those things all related to the body became obscene. And then he says, we have moved on from that. And he points out like self-help books in, in, you know, <laughs> in, in bookstores, in like ritzy suburbs use the F word and their titles. Like this is no longer profanity, right? For anyone except the, the holdouts on the trad right, like me. Um, <laughs> and so he says all of the things that are truly taboo and profane in our society now have to do with identity, right? So it's the other F word. Yes. Um, yeah. And and the N word and anything that any kind of slur that has to do with identity and he's like that's because we you know we have put identity in the place that once was reserved for religion and for God 
Uh, yeah, it's kind of like the century of the self. It's now turned into like rather than um, revering God and worrying about him damning us, or then rather than worrying about like hygiene and like civility in terms of the body and bodily functions, we now worry about like ourselves, our self-identity, our self-definition, all that garbage. I think Oliver Anthony can write a really good song about what we just talked about with using all these words. I'm going to suggest this to him. For his right, album. Right. Well, I mean, you had Paul Davis up. attempt to do that a little bit recently as well. How do you guys um, feel? Wait, do you say Pearl? Am I yeah. just hearing? Yeah. Is How it, do yeah, you guys feel Pearl. about her? I'm curious. Um, I think that a woman coming along and just saying all the things that boys on the right have been saying for like a decade um, is just commodifying something that she didn't create. And uh, so I think it's just kind of annoying. I find her a little bit annoying, but I also have like a strict taboo on myself against like getting triggered by these people. So I just mute them. I mute people like her. <laughs> like it's just easier yeah. that way. I don't really want to have an opinion on it. It's like, really it funny because that's exactly how the TERFs respond when Matt Walsh gets like big clicks for sale. <laughs> it's just funny to me. Um, oh, gotcha. okay. Cause he, yes, because he's able to say things that many of them were trying to say. But I do think that men needed to step up in terms of pushing back against all that like stuff. And but also Matt Walsh was put, was actually on top of that stuff for a long time. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah, not, yeah. No, I'm saying lately. it's the reverse. As yeah. in, it's like in this case, the turfs are the pearl in the right analogy, right? right? Where like. Right. They think they're the first people to come up with this take. And I actually don't want to denigrate the turfs too much because I'm definitely not they're one. Okay. But but they're like okay. they do get they do catch a lot of flack. Like you have to say that they catch a lot of flack because they're still left yeah. adjacent. And Amy, yeah. you know, you know plenty about this, right? Like if you're still yeah. left adjacent and your networks are still leftist, like it does take some courage to say things, but also they're coming in and policing the speech of the right on these issues and yeah i i I don't know i i I don't know about that like i was saying these things years before it ever occurred to you like you don't get to tell me how to make these arguments (laughs) yeah when they get mad when they get mad yeah there's a lot of i've noticed this particular aspect like in the last few weeks where a lot of women on the right are starting to get really whiny towards the boys have you guys noticed that like they're like oh the boys being too mean that's too harsh you need to appeal to women like i'm sorry for the most part like women don't women and like single women especially like the idea that you're going to recruit them from leftism to the right in some like immediate or short-term political strategy by being nicer in your rhetoric is farcical to me like I just I don't think that we need to be scolding men on the right I think like the 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 long housing is bad enough as it is without scolding even more I just I think it just sort of reflects a very liberal scoldy sensibility. And I think we should just like leave them alone and stop being like word cops and language cops and sentiment cops. Like it's fine. Regarding Pearl. um, Oh, go ahead, PG. Oh, sorry. I'm just going to play off what you guys were saying. I mean, I am, as you know, a domestic extremist, but like for me, correct Pearl, Pearl, like at first, when I went, like, what was it, a few months ago, I was like, oh, she's saying some like things that I sort of believe. And like, that's cool. Like, wow, maybe the Overton window is sort of being pushed. But now I feel like even for me, she's like two extremes that feels like 
she knows it's just going to. It feels almost react. like satire. Like she's just creating yeah. reaction. Yeah. It just, yeah. I almost yeah. feel like it's not productive because the most people that she gets to watch her is like liberal women so they can get angry. You know what I mean? Like it's like it's like appealing to the other side in terms of triggering them as opposed to sort of motivating the base, if that makes sense. And it's and it's, it's just outrage bait in a way. Yeah. It, it's good though to push the Overton window because maybe then like the sure. middle ground becomes where we are, you know. So that's fine. Right. That's true. Um, but then there was like that girl Mega M-E-G-H-A on Twitter who tweeted this this week that any man who changes a diaper has like is a failure is a cuck like <laughs> the dads are not allowed to change diapers because that's the woman's well, job not a man well, can do that that's just silly who cares like it's yeah fine. that's that's so unreal that's crazy to me also like that's not trad that's odd yeah you know well i, I can't i wish i could remember I wish I could remember who said it, but one of the funniest replies that I saw online was one of my someone I follow said something to the effect of leaving leaving my baby to sit in a shitty diaper for hours, like as a man. Like that's it's just like that's horrid and ridiculous. Like you you know I don't I don't really believe in like men being the ones to stay home and do all the like diaper changing and all the like you know um attachment parenting that I think a mother really ought to be doing in infancy and early toddlerdom but like the idea that you can't that men don't and men traditionally haven't contributed to the raising of children is also false and not trad at all correct um so I, I share both of your sentiments about both of those tweeters. And I think it's just, I, I've been disabused recently. Like I, I think I was giving them a little more slack just because I don't know, in Pearl's case, she's 26 and I just right, remember exactly. much more like didactic yeah. about stuff. And yeah. life just has a way of disabusing you of, yeah. of those notions just as they do of, you know, disabusing you of liberal or leftist notions, you know? Um, right. Exactly. But, I mean, I thought Bernie Sanders might be worthwhile a few years ago. So I mean, no position yeah. to sort of, you know. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I was writing. I was writing very like similar takes to Pearl's, like when I was twenty seven. Um, right. Exactly. Which is probably too old to be writing those kinds of takes. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, I'm not like uh, I'm not going to waste my time like condemning them or whatever. I, I, they don't really yeah. bother me. But I don't. I also don't find them insightful or moving. Exactly. moving forward in anything productive but yeah i will say about this distinction about i mean it, obviously it's phrased in the most provocative way possible like no man can change a diaper without being become, becoming a cuck right um, <laughs> but i i do think that we're dealing with this tension and it's it's a very old civilizational tension uh in a modern way i think it was very much expressed in uh, Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, which is, I don't know if you guys have seen that movie, but um, it's a Western with uh, Jimmy Stewart and John Wayne. Um, but it, it it's about, you know, the type of men who build civilization and then the type of men that are necessary to defend it um, and the tension between those two things. And I, I have to say that, like, a lot of history's great men were raised uh by fathers who were not 
participating in what we would call like child raising, even even from a trad perspective, let alone like a modern. I'm not talking about like let's bracket for a minute the like completely leftist like you know stay home, Mister Dad kind of thing. Um, but it, it is true that a lot of there there have been a lot of great men who were raised uh, with very little sort of day to day care from their fathers and more of a like a direction and a um aspiration from their fathers and again andrew tate has a very bastardized form of this where he's just basically like i'm going to create as many children with as many women as possible and i'm just going to ignore them and just hope that my glorious example of wearing flashy watches and posing in front of bugattis that aren't actually mine is is going to guide them up into the future i mean this is obviously a stupid and bastardized version of this um mm-hmm. but look like <laughs> most of our great presidents have not been great fathers. Like, yeah, that's just historically true. Uh, there are jobs that preclude if you're good at them. Um, there are roles in history. I would even expand it from jobs, but like there are roles in history that if you're good at them preclude being there for your family. Um, I just don't think that like you can't build a civilization where that's the norm. But I do think that exists. I don't, I, I, I think, I don't know. I, I do think there's some, that's, that's how all these like whatever troll farm type people start popping up is because they say something that's a little true. A and little then true. having a discussion yeah. about the thing that's a little true in a more like serious way, everyone just chimps out and then they get what they want. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Donald Trump never changed a single diaper in his life. I believe that. Probably. Yeah. And in the Obama marriage, uh, probably Michelle never changed a single diaper. Very, very terrible. Is Obama gay? <laughs> Do we think he's uh, actually gay? And we've always if, known if that. If the Michelle thing turns out to be true, if the like Michael thing turns out to be true, I'm signing off from politics and I'm wrapping my head in tinfoil. No, no. She's 100%. She's 100% a woman. <laughs> That's what that, I think. Yeah, like, that, I've that is a joke. I've so mean, many things. I'm just like, I'm, no. I'm spinning here. But yeah, I think that there's definitely, I mean, you know, those rumors in Chicago, you know, they all, everyone either ended up dead or silenced. I mean, that, that, you know, mysteriously, they all, wait, wait, you know, rumor. <laughs> I don't know this. You got to like, educate oh, you got to like re-educate me. Okay. So yeah, there are rumors amongst let, the socialists. Let me put it this way. Yeah. Every, every close friend, young Barack Obama had in Chicago, uh, you know, <laughs> went quote unquote paddle boarding. Um, at his house, <laughs> if you know what if you know what I mean. So it's very. I mean, this was common knowledge in 2006, 2000, 2007, 2008 that like, you know, there was a guy who came out, this like older white guy that he would routinely hang out with Obama in the the secret gay clubs of Chicago. He was on the quote down low. Um, actually, today when BAP was on Red Scare, he actually was talking about this too. Funnily. Um, and then there were at the at the church at the Jeremiah Wright Church where they would he would kind of set up the the down low men with the unmarriageable kind of like you know really the the, the shrews of the neighborhood the Michelle Obamas he would set them up to have these so they could get married so they wouldn't 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 have to live out their you know gay gay lifestyle. Um, yeah, and, and it was be, good for his political yeah. career. Jeremiah Wright was like, a, was a, I guess he was yeah. like kind of a trad. He wanted to wanted them to have these happy family men. 
But at least two or three of the quote, you know, rumored boyfriends or whatever in that world um, ended up just dropping, quote, dropping dead. Like right around that, like I one was like six weeks before he announced for president. I mean, you know, he doesn't have as many body bags behind him as like Hillary. To be fair, it's it's not exactly a healthy lifestyle. lifestyle. Yeah, yeah I, it wasn't like a long drawn out illness. In the pre, it was like, yeah, in the fell out a window, pre, you know. Yeah, in the um, pre prep days, it was. No, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, and I'm actually have, just saying generally, like being on the down low and like screwing other men who are on the down low <laughs> i can imagine a lot of uh yeah. a lot of blackmail spins out of that but then there was the letter that just came out that his some biographer found which is in some yeah, college library yeah. yeah the letter exists in a college library and you're not allowed to take a picture of it or take it out of the library they have the letter and so some friend of the biographer had to go into the library and like write it down on a notepad what the letter said how he wants he imagines having sex with men in his imagination every day. So I don't know. I mean, if I found a letter my husband wrote that said that, you know, I would, <laughs> I would probably some questions. Yeah. I'd have some questions. <laughs> I'd, I'd invite him paddleboarding. Um, <laughs> I was speaking of Hillary. We were going to talk about uh, that article, that crazy article she wrote. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The left has finally noticed that (laughs) atomization makes people lonely. Yeah. So the article we're talking about was in the Atlantic, written by Hillary on August seventh, and it was called "The Weaponization of Loneliness." To defend America against those who would exploit our social disconnection, we need to rebuild our communities by Hillary Rodham Clinton. Um. I think, though, there's something very auspicious in the way she weaponizes this in a very, like, leftist slash evil way, because while she's pretending to be wanting to do something about these issues, she's not really. It's actually a very thinly veiled way of kind of condemning and, you know, framing as, quote-unquote, domestic terrorists um, sort of alienated men, basically, I think. Yeah, it's crazy that she, I mean, it started off like, oh, she actually understands death of despair. She's, mm. wait, this is sort of base. Like Hillary understands these like people are feeling lonely and and what, what big tech is doing, you know. And I was like, wait, what? How is, and then it devolved into a defense of I'm not a child trafficker. I'm not, <laughs> I haven't killed children in Pizzagate. And then yeah, these I, these dastardly conservatives, it's all their fault. <laughs> she couldn't help yeah, herself. Yeah, she can't help herself. These people, they're, like, they're just, I don't know, something about it also just really pissed me off insofar as much like she did in the late 90s where she starts, like, hugging Christopher Lash and other sort of um, more you know, communitarian-oriented people who are pointing out, you know, a bunch of the problems with the impact that her husband's policy was having. Like, she sort of implies that this was a problem that she noticed all along and um, and actually she's been right all along and if only we'd listened to her. So, for example, this, she says, nearly 30 years later, it's clear that the problems I diagnosed in the 90s ran deeper than I realised and were more dire than I could have imagined. But the prescriptions 
in It Takes a Village, putting families first, investing in community infrastructure, protecting kids from out-of-control technology, and recommitting to the core of American values of mutual responsibility and empathy have grown more urgent and necessary. Like since when has the core American loneliness, bitches? Right. Like when has the core American values of mutual responsibility and empathy? Like I'm sorry, but that how are they core American? Core American values are like self responsibility. Wait, like is is she running? What is this? Why she wrote it? Is she running? No, no. She just wants to be relevant. She just wants to insert herself into the conversation. I think. Right. That's probably. No, she's I mean, still crawling out of the world. But look, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, it, it really, uh, I'm with Amy. It pisses me off when, like, the left has destroyed so many of the things that make possible community. You know, yeah. Starting, yeah. And starting when they say it takes a village, what they mean is economic, we want to take. Yeah. Yeah, when they when she says it takes a village, what she means is we want to take your kids from you, and kids belong to everybody. And we're going to trans your kids because you're a bad person who doesn't believe in it. That's what she means. Like the state's going to take your kids, um, all that type of thing. It doesn't mean, like, I don't know. I just, I hate the way she uses this. Like she does this actually very good job. And I think that um, Bill did it as well of doing this like down down yonder, like homely, uh, we all care about each other thing. But it's completely it can gay and it masks over like the actual depravity of the left. And I think that the reason why they were quite effective and the reason also why Joe Biden got elected is because these people managed to do this sort of communitarian, almost populist rhetoric at times, which helps kind of mask over the actual insanity of the left. I think she's getting worse at it as she ages. Like this article, she couldn't help but say the quiet part loud. Like she started out trying to sort of be nice, but then just went buck wild <laughs> towards the end. But something about it just feels so slimy and disingenuous. It's like they acknowledge all the like outcomes of the shit they've done without actually connecting it to any of the causes. And they anyone contributing to the cause. Like AOC- it's like the thing that AOC did where during January 6th or after January 6th, she was like, and I was sexually assaulted. Oh and it God. brought up all, it's this like very weaponized and fake yeah. version of empathy that is, uh, I mean, honestly, it just makes me enraged. Like I can't. Me too. It triggers. I have it a hard time with it yeah. in a normal way because it, it yeah. feels so like. It feels so invasive and ugly to me, the way that people relate to each other in this way. But like here she is using a very real source of despair for people. Yes. Um, and then and not in I wouldn't say entirely caused by her and people who think like no. her, of course, but like uh some things are outside the control of even Hillary Rodham Clinton. Um, sure, but like five minutes like, ago, she's using that very real horrible. thing in a weaponized yeah. and sick way. It like actually makes yeah. me very angry. It makes me, me feel too. well. I'm yeah. not manipulated, but it makes me feel like very consciously manipulated and mm-hmm. therefore pissed off, big time. And it's very effeminate. And I think that's why you also immediately cited AOC because they all they both do this, which is where they weaponize um, the 
specter of essentially female sociability, which is like theoretically women are sort of uh, more empathetic and more cognizant of these sort of like social elements. But then instead of actually doing that in like a wholesome or meaningful or caring way, it's just this weaponized like fake caring for you know, I don't know. I, if if there was ever going to be a um, spokesperson um, for the kind of forgotten men and women who are dying deaths <laughs> of despair and loneliness, I mean, it wouldn't it wouldn't be Hillary Clinton. It would be not, our right. friend Oliver Anthony, the redheaded right. singer. He that is what he's connecting to. He's connecting people to like that feeling of being feeling left out by the culture, being left out by the economy. Um, you know, you can't form a family. And you know what? You know those videos on YouTube of like parents reacting to songs? Like or they'll play like, you know, Phil Collins for like a couple of black kids from like, you know, the ghetto. I want to get a video of Hillary Clinton reacting to rich men north of Richmond. <laughs> like, let's just see what she thinks of that song. That's the video I want to see. <laughs> she would yeah. condemn him as, oh, yes, just this this poor lonely man as i said we need to uplift him and help connect him to the community no she'd be like look at this racist bleep you know deplorable he needs to go to jail yeah speaking of condemning the deplorables i feel like the last item on our docket agenda today uh you you are now entering the longhouse uh class of inez Stepman. <laughs> We're moving on to the next agenda item. Um, Have you been canceled yet, Inez? By association. Um, yeah, no. So that, that's what I was going to ask. Uh, uh, the last item on our agenda is about <coughs> the sort of spate of cancellations. Uh, and crucially, the res- the response to it, which I feel like has been quite white-pilling and encouraging. Like It feels Agreed. like the right, to some extent or another, actually kind of gets the game now and is not playing at least not to the levels that it was before. And granted that those aren't the institutions that have power in this country. And it's still very much a potent possibility if you're, you know, working for a corporate law firm, for example. Um, but at least in our spaces, even people who are part of the more Norway, right. Seem to understand that this is like, this is not going to help you in any way to participate in these kinds of cancellation mobs. Yeah, you can't use this. This this doesn't work for you. Um, yeah, I mean, who us. cares anymore? I don't even, you know, I don't even think about it. I don't care. I, yeah. I, the way that I see it is, and this perhaps is very, like, libertarian or whatever, but I really do believe in freedom of association. Like, if you take issue with something that somebody has said or some position that they hold and it's such an issue that it it bothers you still if it was you know five ten years ago whatever just don't read their stuff and don't be their friend the idea to me that you need to force everybody else to uh alienate somebody and disavow them and all this garbage i just i think it's anti-human um and I think also what we're going to start to see more and more is that as these generations of kids have grown up completely online from the beginning of their, you know, um, existence as far as, you know, having ideas and thoughts, um, the idea that everybody isn't going to have said something at one time or another that is, 
questionable is ludicrous. Like, I'm just glad that I wasn't on the internet during high school or whatever. I, I, I think that we figure out what we think through having discussions and through vocalizing idiotic ideas at times or things that we're not entirely sure of. And I just... I've had enough of the cancellations. I don't care. I'm sick of it. It's a weapon and I'm not just not willing to buy into it anymore. I will will cancel you for doing this one thing. And that is apologizing after you get canceled. I will. I cannot read another groveling apology. Richard Hanania, he apologized this long. No, no more apologizing. Neo. You give it. You give it. You give it, I think you give it legitimacy when you apologize. I think what you need to say to a mob at every turn, and this is what I said to the SPLC freaks when they tried to cancel me, the left when they tried to cancel me, just fuck off, get bent, excuse my language. But like, I will apologize to an individual if I feel that I've done something that I don't feel good about myself as a human being, but that to me is a private enterprise. That's an interpersonal thing. The idea of a public apology to me is ludicrous and so phony from its very premise and so like a matter of branding that I'm just allergic to it. Like don't apologize in public because what does that even, it's nothing, it's PR, it's nonsense. So so I was very much in that camp. until the Hanania apology, honestly, gotcha. um, because I saw it work for the first time. Um, right. Okay. I, I had never, and it, it it makes me ask some questions about where we're at. Like, as in, are, are well, people when you ready say you to saw understand, it to be more did understanding it about it? Who did it work with, though? That's my question. It was Because my fundamental thing is when it's the left that's canceling you, it will never work. Because a little a little blood in the water does not calm those sharks. Yeah, but I do no, 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 think no, no. that but, potentially so the right has what, some chance of being more. I, um, I agree, and I, yeah. I've said all the same things. Um, gotcha. But I think what it made me realize is there are a lot of people um, who are maybe like pre-domestic extremist peachy, you know, gotcha. um, and yeah. there are still a lot of people who. And uh, like I said, I think it can only work in the right if you're apologizing within the right community. Um, and I think it's an extension of the private versus public principle. Because, um, again, I would have agreed with if you had got me like three weeks ago, I would have said, yeah, like this doesn't work. I've never seen it work. Just don't keep your dignity. Don't apologize. Just if you have to tell your friends that you're sorry, tell your family that you're sorry. Like I'm all, right. all about taking responsibility for yourself, but you know, don't apologize to these sharks. It's not going to, it's not going to help you. And in fact, all you're going to do is lose your dignity and your life at the same time. Right. Like, um, right. And encourage them to do more of it. Yeah. It, it, but what I saw is that there actually is some middle ground of, of where people are at. Um, because I I don't know that I don't I don't think I don't think Donnie survived without the apology. I think it would have been a different thing. I think he convinced a lot of his readers, and not just I mean the hard left people. They're never gonna. I mean they didn't like yeah, him to begin with, no. and they're never gonna like him now. And there are many yeah. reasons not to <laughs> to like Richard Hanania, but um, like what I saw is there is there is a there are a lot of people who actually did want to hear his apology and i wonder what that means about 
or for forgiveness in our culture, which I had sort of given up on as a concept. Um, Because as you were saying, I mean, I don't know when it became unforgivable to have radical ideas when you're 22, uh, but I guarantee (laughs) you that every single, well, not every single one, because some of them are so bloodless as to not have this kind of impulse, but most people, I guess this is my version of the um, the old adage about like if you're not liberal when you're 20, you're an idiot. Or sorry, <laughs> you have no heart. If you're not conservative when you're 30, you have no brain. Um, my version of it would be if if you're not a radical of some kind when you're 22, you ha- you like you're bloodless. You're a bureaucrat. Mm. Um, if if you're not finding some refinement in your views in your 30s or 40s um you you probably like actually have let that radicalism consume your soul to the point where uh you only have that kind of hatred uh and categorization you can no longer see people or accept um experiences that counter your ideology mm-hmm. and, and you've mm-hmm. truly become like a dangerous ideologue um right so that would be my my version of the like liberal young conservative old version but i don't know yeah. when it became uh completely unforgivable because i guarantee you a lot of these folks on the left were were maoists and um stalinists in in college well yeah and i still think that they are and i think it's a very valid point to point out that like all of these people are total apologists for the most horrific things and also just conduct themselves in horrific ways on a day-to-day basis that's what i find so absurd is that like these people who are just like nasty cruel and intolerant in every way um weaponizing just dumb words or ideas and then saying oh well you're not allowed to exist you have to face a social death penalty as a result of expressing some naughty idea it's like no i'm sorry i see how this works and you're the bad guys here you're the ones being nasty and cruel like who cares if someone has some ideas that you disagree with it doesn't even matter to me like it's just just stop it already that's the way I see it anyway. I don't know. The other thing I find sort of frustrating is that, like, my beef with Richard Hanania is a bunch of, like, political differences. Like, I disagree with, I, I think he's far more liberal or libertarian than myself, and so I disagree with him about things like, I, I think he sort of has, you know, different ideas to me, and I would rather disagree with him about, like, immigration or the vaccine than whine about him saying some naughty thing a few years ago. And I feel like all of this cancellation crap is almost a... It's a way of depoliticizing and distracting from the relevant political issues at hand. I mean, obviously, I agree. Like, um, I've, I've, Amy, I think you said it's, um, I can't remember what, what phrase you used, but I, I would call it mm-hmm. anti intellectual. Like, yeah, you it's, you're talking about freedom of association. You know, obviously, I do a, I do a one once a week podcast with Richard. Um, mm-hmm. Like I don't agree with him about ninety percent of stuff. Like this isn't even on the top. And of that's list. fine. Like and that's fine. I don't, exactly. I, I don't. I don't understand why it's like uh, there. There is this weird chain of association, and if you interact with people, and it only goes one way. Because Always one way. If, That's right. If, Absolutely. If I I were to so I for a while I did and um they haven't invited me back. Maybe they will in the future. I don't know. Uh, but I did Rising. I hosted Rising for a while, 
with Hill TV, you know, as a guest mm-hmm. host. And mm-hmm. I was hosting with like complete leftists, right? Um, right, exactly. And like Ryan Grimm uh, is, you know, a USSR apologist today, yes. not 10 years ago. Yeah. Right. And yeah, the idea, like I would be cheered for doing that. Right. But if I do something, if I do like a conversation with Richard Hanania once a week, like I'm responsible. First of all, I'm responsible for everything he's ever said in his life, most of which, well, I don't even want to say most of which, half of which at least I deeply disagree with. Right. Um, but that's the point. Like if you if you bring together different people and have an interesting conversation, you don't want people who just agree on everything. Um, but it, if you do that kind of, uh, you know, debate sort of format, if, if you're on the right and you move left and you have a co-host who's on the left, that's applauded. You are brave and trying to transcend political barriers. But if your co-host is on the right and he said something from the to the right, that's that's unforgivable. And it only goes one way. And I, I just I, I think it's just uh, I don't know, maybe maybe it's the, uh, you know, <laughs> it really does only go one way. Out of me, but I just I just like to argue with people, man. I don't I don't I, I don't yeah. attach any special uh, feeling to it. I, I just I think it's fine to mix it up with different kinds of people and yell at each other and have a good time. Yeah, because it only goes one way is why we was why I won't ever apologize. Not that I've ever done anything to apologize for. I mean, maybe they'll dig up my, you know, N-word letters. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, there's two, right. There's, there's two. I, I'm very niggardly with my apologies. Let me put it that way. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> well said. There's two standards of justice, you know, we see this playing out all over the place, right and left. And so I'm just, the only way to win is to not play at all, in my opinion. Yeah, I think there's something to that. I mean, I'm not in a position where I need the approval of any of these institutions or whatever. And so... But we have to like, get your you Twitter know, back. What if you have to apologize? Do, oh, yes, that, that is a good oh, I'll Amy. do anything to get my Twitter back. <laughs> I'm going to okay. in total Elon Musk. Amy, I will Amy, 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 I need your Twitter back. Absolutely. Absolutely. What have I done wrong? Let me know. I am totally contrite. Apologize. I will affirm affirm anything you need me to affirm. Yeah. So to back up for a moment, though, do you think that because we've had a series of these, right? We've had Pedro, Hanania, Nate Hockman, right? These cancellations. And I feel like it's hitting different than it would have in 2017 or 2018. Do you not think? Yeah, because I think there's enough of us now as opposed to these whiny crybabies like David French who sort of controlled the cultural discourse around the right. Like it is starting to be in the hands of younger, more um, familiar, like people who understand the terrain. You know, like I'm friends with... um, even just, uh, you know, a few Zoomers who are starting to get into this type of thing and their perspective on all this is so different. Like the younger men um, who've seen all this in college and who've gone through all that, they just get it intuitively, you know, in a way that I think people didn't maybe five, six, seven years ago. Yeah, the, so Zoomers, the base Zoomers will save us all. I hope so. <laughs> Well, on that note, should we wrap it wrap it up? I've got I got to give these little kids dinner at some point. Cute, gorgeous. 
perpetuating civilization. Trying to keep them alive. That's right. I will never apologize for trying to feed the kid. <laughs> okay, brilliant. I think that's probably about all from us for now. But we shall be back next week and we will speak to you then. Thanks, ladies. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thank you.